Anurag Malu is an Indo-Asian startup innovation community architect, which I know is an incredible title. He's the regional manager for South and Central Asia with Techstars and Startup Weekends, and therefore responsible for the cultivation and sustained growth of vibrant startup ecosystems in a lot of countries in Asia. But today he's the host of the program because Anurag is working on his own podcast, and you'll hear his story in the next program. Uh, we decided to do an interview where he interviewed me. So that's what you're going to hear today. It's an unusual step for me. So I hope um, you enjoy it. It's a little bit of an insight into what it's like to be on the road for nine years, be an empath, be working in the field of change, innovation, and global innovation. And and uh, I hope you enjoy it. You're listening to the Insight to Action podcast. My name is Donna Jones, and my work involves organization and global leadership transformation. Here we go. Today, I would like to know a little more about Donna yourself. I think I'm glad that I got to connect with you. And thanks to Nicole that this connection happened. Already yesterday's conversation triggered me like really more curious curiosity to know you, what makes who you are. And I think, so if I have to ask you, Donna, quickly in, in like one word, how would you describe yourself in one word and then in five words and then maybe in a, one sentence? <laughs> okay let me see if i can do that in 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 a word it would be um focused i would say and and deeply committed so that's almost drifting into a sentence there but but uh i'm very passionate about helping humanity reconnect with with the life support systems we have on this planet so that we can make better you know make better lives and 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 actually not destroy the living space that we're on. So, and I've been prepared to sacrifice anything to, to get, you know, to be able to contribute somehow. This is beautiful and very inspiring. I think what does that sacrifice means to you in your life? I'm sure like over years you have seen a lot of people sacrificing. You must have done so many sacrifices. So what does the sacrifice means to you when you say that to help the humanity and uh, help people achieve that consciousness? Appreciate the question because I think the the biggest sacrifice I made in focusing and staying with my vision, which was to help expand the consciousness of people so they could see, you know, develop more empathy, develop more, com- you know, compassion for each other and more connection to, to nature and to all of the creatures that we share this planet with. I ended up being homeless for nine years. And that ended about a little over a month and a half ago. What that means is that even though I could not find places where there was response to what I was saying and how I was saying it and everything else, and I tried everything, I tried so much uh, different ways of coming at things, I stuck with it. And and yeah, it was not easy, but but it made me um, stronger. It made me more focused uh, on on actually continuing to do it. Every time I tried to take the you know just go get a job is because there's so much pressure from society and a lot of judgment as you can imagine because you know you don't have the status of the big car all these things that people go oh you now you've made it you've got all the external things but what I had was was or I, what I do have now is a, a strong internal sense of peace that I'm completely aligned with who I am what I believe and what what is important to me in the world today so i'm glad i persevered 
So I think perseverance has been your biggest strength. That seems like that. You just mentioned about like societal expectations and I, I, I personally have experienced it a lot. But how do you deal with it yourself? And what will be your one piece, like one advice to people to deal with societal expectations? Gosh, you know, first of all, I have to say that I'm extremely sensitive. So, and I'm also very strong. And so what people do is they conclude if you're strong, you're not sensitive. That's, so that's the one thing that you have to deal with. And, and so when people come down hard on you for not going to get a job at the Walmart in North America or, 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 you know, just sort of do anything to survive, be desperate to survive. When they come down on you, it's remembering that you can be creative to survive. So I've written one whole book. I've contributed to another another one. And uh, and then we've got another one that's going to be released um, next week. So that's a co-authorship. So I stick, I stayed with my creative sources. And I think that's the, you know, stay with what's true to you, follow your heart with this. And, and yes, there is an old belief out there that says, follow your heart, the money will follow. Well, it doesn't. <laughs> it just doesn't. But, but what does happen is you're at least more aligned and things show up in ways that you cannot control or manipulate it. You just allow them and they show up. And our conversation today is, is like that. I mean, you know, I go to Stockholm through a connection at UAE and then I, I end up having a conversation with you. So it's just, wow, that's just incredible. So this is, this is the beauty of it. You could not plan this. Yeah. I think it's really about embracing it, right. Yep. And not escaping yep. it. Thank you. Thanks Absolutely. for that. And so when I hear young people now who are really struggling with, do I go to university? Do I do I get the job? You know, almost everybody that I know that has gone to university has come out and they're not doing what they went to university for. They're, first of all, the university hasn't caught kept pace with what's going on in the world. So they graduate and, and their degrees are almost almost not relevant anymore, depending on what they took. Uh, so it's really, you know, it's really about, yes, it's not to say don't go to university, do, but choose one that's progressive, you know, choose one of the innovation company, the innovation schools that are part of the Global Responsible Leadership Initiative, but but definitely stay true to yourself, because if you don't, then you end up with chronic illness and a whole mess of things that <laughs> we see today in the world that's just not, it's optional. Mm-hmm. Thanks, thanks for, I think, uh, highlighting that. So. Like there are in this life, I think I've seen when we are focused on doing certain things, when we are very idealistic and we have our own set of values. But what are those core values you will not ever compromise on? What really matters you to the most? Wonderful question. You know, for me, freedom is my the autonomy, you know, the freedom to be who I am is primo and and nothing gets sacrificed to that. So so going you know it ties back to your earlier question about judgment. It's brutal, absolutely brutal to receive judgment. At the same time, if I'm not free to be who I am, then I'm in a cage that I will die. It's just it's just you know I've I've been through that process of trying to fit into society and it 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 never worked well. So I have freedom to be who I am and to and if I make mistakes, you know, they're my mistakes. I'm okay with that. It's it's part of the learning process. So, it, you know, freedom is my absolute, absolute uh, top priority. That's my core value. And then along with that would be truth, 
and openness and integrity. So those kind of that bundle is is one that kind of dances around <laughs> in in moments uh, because if I'm I'm open, you know, it's the curiosity that goes with that takes me into places and I'm talking to people that I'm scared of, but I'm really interested in what, who they are and and what's underneath all, you know, the, the, the toughness and the tats and the, (laughs) I want to know who these gentle souls really are. I want to know a little more, learn about your life as you wear so many hats as an author, as someone who does so many podcasts and interviews people and help with human consciousness. How do you balance it out doing all the great things and uh, with your personal work life? <laughs> well, for one, I, I do a terrible job of that, I suppose. But but I've been, I've been a professional facilitator all my career. And, you know, I've been in management as well initially, and but but I found myself functioning better outside of organizations than inside. And so, you know, as a professional facilitator, then I got into personal transformation for myself, but also just studying, trans, you know, how people e- evolve as as humans in their journey for becoming more of who they are. So it's a, at some level a soul evolution, you know, who who am I really and and what can I learn from this world and and how can I use adversity to become more of who, you know, more true to who I am in the in the most positive way, in the highest potential way? So, you know, one of the things that takes you off track when, when you've got a fascination and a passion for personal and organizational and global transformation is creativity. Because with creativity, you're busy churning out all kinds of stuff. And so I have what I call Project ADD. This is way too much going on at once. And every now and again, I have to kind of go stop and and shrink it down into something I can, you know, whoa, you know, I'm losing it. So I need to pull it together and and be more focused. But like, I have about 10 book projects. I'm exaggerating. There's probably only five, but still, there's too many. And, and it's, it's great. On one level, it's fun because I can go over and poke in an area and move it. But to get something done, you actually have to focus and move it along. Balance for me is in nature. That's how I stay to stay balanced. I have to be have to be near nature. In our first conversation, we talked about my first trip to India when we were going to Tiger Reserve. So, you know, that's a that's a great example. Riding elephant back in the north, looking for tigers. I mean, how how beautiful is that? So true. Reminded me of your India trip. I want to actually go further down the lane in memory and really know your journey. How you started your career, actually? What was your first job? And did you like it? And how did you move to different jobs and doing what you do right now? So where it all started and what was that point of inception, like the inflection point where you decided to do what you do right now? Yeah, let me think about that. Well, I started as a teacher. So the, you know, that was, that was the first thing I did. And I did that for about four or five years. And then I thought, you know, I'm kind of repeating myself and there's a limit to what I can do here. The system is sort of restricting me. So I moved out of that and started doing environmental education for the park system. And, and then I was getting itchy feet again. I'd already been around the world once and I needed to get to do it again. So I, d- I went around the world when I was a teenager. We, we sort of, my dad was a filmmaker and we loaded everything up in a van and went around the world. So I was ready to to go again and basically 
pulled out of all of that and then headed off. And that's when I went to India. So worked at a couple of international conferences along the way. And, and then when I got back, I ended up being the director of communications for Forestry Canada, which is a federal agency. And that was sort of just a, a offshoot of the conference volunteer work I'd been doing. And, and then uh, after about six years of that, I moved out to the West Coast. Uh, and at that point, I was married and I just had a child and the whole marriage fell apart. So, so I'm here in a place I don't know anybody. <laughs> I, I, I certainly don't want to move back to where I was because that would present a challenge with the parenting. And that wasn't fair to, to anybody. So I ended up just starting here and I'd been trained in facilitation. I'd used it in my management approach. And so I basically started my company out of nowhere doing national policy consultation work. And it was nuts. I mean, you know, there's no other word for it. You're a single parent. You've got a year and a half old old child and you're trying to do something with 40 subcontractors. It was crazy. But it was also rewarding. And so as long as I didn't kill myself by burning out repeatedly, then then at least I had the freedom to show up for my daughter's, cons- you know, for the various things to, you know, logistics are crazy too. But, you know, at least I had that freedom to be there for her and, and to work around it. So So it all began there. And then after facilitating everything from policy in every sector, because I need diversity. Some people pick one area and they stick to it. I go crazy doing that. So I need more diversity. I need to see, it's kind of like, I ended up thinking about it as a human lab. When you go into the policy sector, how do people think? When you go into the nonprofit sector, how do people think? When you go into, you know, and the arts and, and all these different areas, business and finance, and when you move into, how do people work together? And so it became a, a fascinating journey of, of facilitating, but also just watching what's going on for humanity. And anyway, I delivered leadership change agent programs for about 11 years and sort of balanced off my practitioner with the going back to the educational roots. And, and along the way, I noticed that people had really good intentions about changing organizations, about changing, and they would they would move forward and then they would just it, it just felt like a rollback. It just felt like I really want to do this, but I roll and then they'd roll back. So the best they were getting was incremental results. Like they weren't doing any quantum jumps. And and at the same time, I'm pretty aware of the fact that ecologically things were on a downward trajectory, not a good situation. And so I'm watching, you know, I'm sort of sensing what's going on in the background with with the environment and the ecology. And at the same time, it's tied to the economy although that awareness was not uh, starting to become more appreciative, but certainly that time was not. And so I then realized, okay, my girl at this point was just finishing, almost finished high school. And I thought, all right, my job here is done. I've <laughs> kept us going for, for that period of time. Now I need to do the bigger job and, and move my leadership to the next level. And that's when I started doing the global, what I thought was logical at the time, it proved not to be. But I really wanted to do the work of expanding consciousness and really helping business in particular who have been very actively drawing down on the life support systems and basically ignoring the cost. I wanted to work with business in particular to be the leaders that they're quite capable of being. So to reverse that 
overdraft and turn it into a plus into a into a deposit um, from an ecological and social health point of view. And so that's I started that in 2004 and I've been working on it ever since. Podcasting came about simply because I didn't my voice wasn't being heard and it was impossible. So I thought, well, I'll interview everybody else then and maybe they'll hear them. <laughs> and that worked quite well. So yeah, I've been podcasting now for 10 years. And and the workshops are now coming in around the awareness, around mindset in particular. And of course, all that I've been through, all the homelessness, the nine years of nomadic wandering, the people showing up, all of that contributes to what I take into the room, who I've become. And the support and the space I can hold for others to to achieve their their potential as well. So I'm pretty excited about that. Wow, that's that's really really inspiring. There are a lot of common nodes dots which I can connect with in my life also, which you mentioned about starting your journey as a teacher. Same, I also started as a teacher. Environment and sustainability education is what I used to also teach. Nature leadership and I think facilitator. A lot of these things are also kind of, that's why I feel your energies like like this, because there are so many common threads on having a nomadic life to making an impact in the society, in the lives of people, helping people identifying their potential and empowering them. So this is beautiful. Like, I'm glad I know you, but I think I want to also know you, know that who is your hero? I'm sure you have been a teacher and like doing magic to so many lives but who do you like who is your hero and have you ever met your hero or heroine not necessarily like it has to be one person you know i don't know that i have a hero per se i think i think it's because i take some so much inspiration from the animal world so i spent hours watching or i i used as a kid spent hours watching birds do their thing and and just how animals interact. I just have such an appreciation for for their consciousness, you know, their capacity to read, accurately read intention. A lion can go through a herd of wildebeest and they will do nothing because they they know that, that there's, he's not hungry. So there's just so many sophisticated communication skills that the animal kingdom has that we we don't have as a species. We have not developed that yet. I mean, I think what we're trying to do is get tech to do it for us on a lot of ways, but, but we actually have the capacity to do, do more of that. So I'm not sure I, I have one, but I have people that I, I have a lot of respect for and have learned a lot from, but I, I, I couldn't even begin to do a list because it would be a long one. <laughs> no, I think this is great. So I look forward to your next book on moving from human consciousness to animal consciousness. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a hoot? <laughs> Would you like to write that book? <laughs> well, at this point, I'll be glad if we can help decision makers and business move toward taking into the system into account because right now we're watching a lot of decisions being made that are destroying the economy, but they're presumably they're in the interest of the economy. But unless you understand how everything is interconnected and interrelated, if you, unless you bring an ecological mindset to it, you're going to make some really bad decisions today. And we're certainly seeing that in the political environments. There are times in life when we feel super low and we have our own hard time. This is not always a very fancy, beautiful life. And how do you, like, who is your strongest pillar of support for you when you 
uh, when or basically who comes to rescue you when you are at your lowest? Who do you reach out to? I, I do a lot of self regeneration. My daughter has been tremendously supportive. And I don't, but I don't reach out to her for support because I know she's got a busy life and she's doing all that. And when I've tried, it's just been too much for her. So she's, she's busy. But, but what I do do is, is just spend some time, as much time as I can in solitude and in nature, preferably because that's recharging. And I, I also spend a lot of time, this may sound odd, but I also spend a lot of time with dogs and animals that are, you know, I look after them and they're hilarious. They're completely non-judgmental. They, they're unconditional in their affection. And they're very funny. They've got some really, you know, and I'm a horse lover. I've been riding horses since I was eight. I haven't been riding steadily for the last 10 years. But being around horses just is just my, my greatest love. So in the absence of that, though, it's the bush. I always just say I'm going to the bush. So I, I go hiking and preferably alone because that's how I regenerate. And uh, just take some time. So, yeah, but you're right. It can be. And I've learned over the years to notice when I'm going into de- depression because I, I've, I've been through that a couple of times. And so it's almost like you can notice when your heart's energy is getting depleted and, and you, you kind of interrupt that downward spiral and say, OK, I got to recharge my batteries because I, this is not going to end well unless I do. And so, yeah, that's my signal for getting out of the bush and just closing off um, stimulus and just being being still for a bit. I wish I could say I meditated. That would be wonderful, but I'm terrible at that. I try, but I can't say I'm very good at it. So I, I, I really appreciate those who can. I'm glad you are honestly sharing things that I'm get to learn so much from you. Uh, tell me more about like, at this moment, I know there are so many things which are going on, but People like you and I think many others I know always feel that sense of gratefulness. So what are you most grateful for right now in this moment? Oh, gosh, that's easy. I'm super grateful for the little living space I just found where I actually have a space to be, a base of operation. And I'm also super grateful for everyone that that opened their doors to me in the nine years that I've been nomadic. You know, I've been working out of my car and uh, and it's kept going, so I'm grateful to it as well. <laughs> it's still running. But um, but there's been so many people that have had me stay there with them for, you know, months at a time. And, and I'd be working away and, you know, really working hard to get things going. And, you know, nothing would come from it. And it just it became a massive leap of faith on their part to to continue to think that whatever I was doing was going to actually show up at some point. And I've lost some people along the way. So, you know, that's that's their decision. There's not much I can do about that. But I'm certainly grateful for having a space. And I'm right next door to um, to a creek and some trees. So I just have to look left <laughs> and it's uh, very peaceful. And so I can go away and be in intense cities. I mean, there's one just down the hill. But I also have a place where I can come back to and, and be still for a bit. But I mean, honestly, I, I get so excited when I think about what we can do when we work together and internationally uh, I get super excited by that my daughter and I have, have, have developed an even better deeper relationship now so so that's that's invaluable and just really precious for me you just mentioned it about something around relationships what does friendship means to you 
in your life and uh, who do you call as true friends friendship for me is is something that you know it's about being there for people and and unconditionally and without judgment and i've got several who who uh, have been able to do that and and also see you know like <laughs> the joke is when you when you lose your status in society as someone who's got the the big car and the big home and blah, 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 all that stuff that people think is super important. You've got people that just say, Hey, I appreciate you for who you are. I was like, wow. Okay. So, so you'll hear the people that say, wow, you're a real leader. And then the next breath you'll hear someone that says, well, what's the matter with you? How come you haven't done this, this, and this. And so you've got these two, you know, same person, same situation and two very different perspectives on it. And it's sort of like, I'm going to choose the positive one. <laughs> because I can thrive off of that, but I'm going to die. If you know, I had one person say to me, you know, like, aren't you depressed? Shouldn't you, you should be depressed. And I thought, what, what how's that going to help? <laughs> you know, you know, what good will that do exactly? And, and it's because that's what they would do under similar conditions. It's, so friends to me are the people that just show up and they're unconditional and they, you know, I've had so many people just trust and they really had no reason to, but they did. And so I appreciated that. A lot of experiences speaks. Do you do you also believe in like some sort of magic that when you meet someone, you just know it, that you, you exchange the energies of that person? And uh, so, yeah, is there any time have you felt that kind of a magic? Yes, I don't talk about this in business circles much, but I am an empath. High five, <laughs> me too. So the answer is yes, definitely. It's a blessing and a curse. The curse part is that you pick up other people's negative energies, you absorb their their stuff, and you have to really get good at, which I have now become over the years, really good at clearing those energies and keeping clean so that you can actually be useful so it's it's you know you, you automatically connect with people you can see people at a soul level when I used to work with youth I would say this kid's not gonna stick with this program and they'd say oh no no he's really in there he's really in there he's, he's committed and a week later he would have taken the money and run and they say how did you how did you know it's written <laughs> loud and clear so to someone like yourself or myself that sensitivity is is a massive integrity detection device this is so good to know that doing this all of this there are also mistakes that we see often people repeat but there are mistakes we often repeat so what are those common mistake at least one i'm sure you keep repeating and repeating and if you have to change what would that be oh great uh well i've been i've been sort of systematically getting rid of that kind of stuff because it's debilitating. Uh, I can't. I have trouble saying no. So if somebody needs help, I'll drop everything, and I'll often give them things I need just to make sure they're okay. So that's something that I've kind of been a little bit more thoughtful about, and say, you know, I actually need this, so I'm not going to give it away because <laughs> I'd give it away and then go and figure out how to either live without it or figure out how to get it again. Overgiving, I guess, would be the the pattern and I'm learning now to be more to you know because this this nine years of living nomadically kind of forces you to receive <laughs> you kind of have to be okay with that happening and 
And that's been, so it's, it's much more dynamic that way. I think the other part of it is that if there's one thing people say a lot about me now, it's that I'm, they feel my power. And I think that's really interesting because I've been afraid, I was afraid of it for years. But then I learned that people beat you up, you know, through judgment, whether you're powerful or not. And so you might as well own it because it's almost like you get rid of anybody that's trying to prey on the weak. They, they just don't show up. Or if they do, they're very careful about how they tread around you. So when I say that, I don't mean that in a, um, it, it, it's just done naturally. There's nothing, you don't have, there's no ego in it. It's, it's just a natural part of your being that you're, you're connected to who you are and, and you're stronger through the adversity you've faced. You've, you've risen above, you've transcended the judgment, you've transcended a lot of the stuff that would take you into a depressed state. And so it's, you know, if, if there's any, sometimes you get emotional triggers that kind of remind you of that old state that you were in and like, okay, I don't want to be there. I don't need to be around that sort of person who's busy distrusting and they want you to take their fear and carry it for them. Yep. Done with those. But, but, you know, it doesn't mean they don't show up. And certainly in the work setting, I have no problem with that. But in my personal life, I'm very careful about that. Uh, I don't have to work hard at that. People with a lot of fear usually get scared of me and, and don't show up. So, And that's nothing I do. I don't have to say a thing. I could, they're afraid of something they can't put a finger on. And so they just don't show up. But patterns are still always, you're always paying attention to where, where, what, what's, you know, what, what am I doing again that I don't want to be doing again? And then getting to the root of it and clearing it out, moving forward. So that energetic clearing part is really important. Otherwise, you just end up back in the same place. Thanks. Thanks for sharing this. I think you've been very, very open about sharing a lot of personal things and about yourself. I think the last question for today, uh, which I would like to ask to you is, are you happily living your life purpose or are you still searching for it? Oh, no, I, knew, I was clear about my life purpose from the you know, from the moment I saw that rollback, and that would have been in 2002. And I think there's always a part of you that unconsciously knows what it is. In fact, I think that's true for everybody. It's just getting it to the point where you can see it. And so when I was in that organizational setting, and, and just feeling not at peace with how the world was the trajectory that we were on as a civilization, I, I was thinking, oh, man, we that something's got to change here. And so the second that happened, I, I knew that I had to commit myself to that purpose. And if you don't have that, you definitely can't rise above adversity because you don't see why you would. Why should you? <laughs> you, would, you would become a victim otherwise. Or you would say, well, I'm a survivor, which is better than being a victim. But, you know, in a victim state, you just kick back and you go, OK, there's nothing I can do. When you know what your purpose is or when you know you can contribute, you don't even have to be clear about your purpose. Just know you can contribute. Then you're going to stand up. And when you stand up, you can get through anything. You know, the minute you lie down and go to sleep, well, <laughs> you know, you'll get left behind. But but it's it's really about standing up and, and being aligned with uh, what matters to you most. Thank you. Thank you so much, Donna. For sharing this beautiful inspiration this this like uh, today with me and I think uh, I'm supercharged and very very inspired and I look forward to 
no more you no more of you and the experiences you had in life and uh, yeah so thank you as i mentioned you'll be listening to a program with anurag in the uh, next program that's next episode so stay tuned for that meanwhile if you'd like to reach out to me you can do so on linkedin or on twitter at epdawna underscore jones uh, or on facebook at from insight to action and i think that's probably about it so thanks very much we've got a book coming out this week called from hierarchy to high performance it's a co-op authorship with uh, six other authors myself and then myself as well and that's uh, being released on August the 14th, so coming up very soon. Thanks again for all your support. If Please share and spread the word if this program is of value to you. I'd appreciate knowing.